We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome to the Uncontested Podcast, talking Oklahoma City Thunder basketball and the wider NBA. Sam Presti said, lower the hatch, load up the cannon, and get the tank out rolling. Catch new episodes after each Thunder game and every Sunday night. (laughs) This is a house of learning doctors. Follow The Uncontested on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube to catch new content as it drops. I mean, a cat and a dog connected together? This is Lou Dork. You're listening to The Uncontested. What is up? Welcome to The Uncontested Podcast. Coming to you live Sunday, November 28th, 9 p.m. Central Time. We are on YouTube, Twitter, and Facebook. If you haven't yet, Man, I'd highly encourage you to join the live stream with us. Subscribe to our YouTube channel. Hit that little bell so you get the notifications when we go live. 9 p.m. every Sunday night and after every OKC Thunder basketball game. We are always live doing post-game podcasts. So come and join us. I'm your host for the evening, Jacob Niffin. I've got my guy, Justin, with me. Hello, everybody. And we have Taylor Peterson. Just glad we aren't uh, breaking down uh, OU football tonight. <laughs> I uh, kind of glad we're not an OU football pod, guys. Oh, yikes! Coming we, up, probably busy. Uh, yeah, just a no little bit. Kidding. <laughs> busy no trying to figure kidding. out who the next coach is while also uh, doing grad school work. So yeah, yeah. We are proudly a part of the Blue Wire Podcast Network and the official podcast of SI Thunder. Highly encourage you to check out both of those websites. Go to Blue Wire, find another basketball pod or a football pod or a darts pod, or a movie pod, or a bowling pod, or a gymnastics pod. They got everything, All bro. All kinds of pods. All kinds hey, of pods. Coach K was live in the, the um, Vegas studio yeah, last week. Yeah, pretty Should awesome. Should have asked him cool. if he's talked to Sam Presti about Paulo Bancaro. Hey. <laughs> so make sure to also check out sithunder.com. It has all of your Thunder needs. Our own co-hosts, Nick Crane and J.D. Silva, contributors over there. Gentlemen, let's uh, let's give the state of Oklahoma a football break for an evening, and let's talk some basketball. But before we talk some basketball, I haven't chatted with you guys since Thursday, so I would like to ask, how was your Thanksgiving? So good. My wife made this <laughs> sweet potato casserole that oh, yeah. made my soul leave my body. It was so, Ooh. so delightful. My my wife loves sweet potato casserole. Mm. Sweet potato my, casserole so sweet does potatoes. my wife. One, That's white weird. woman and sweet potatoes. Yes, man. Summer, does, Summer did thought? the same thing, and she puts marshmallows on top. It's uh-huh. like a staple her grandma used to do. And, oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. So we, we had in-laws over um, for Thanksgiving Day and night, and then we headed back to uh, my hometown of Owasso, spend Friday, Friday night, a little bit of Saturday with my family. Uh, before coming back to a, a miserable Bedlam game back here in OKC, Whoa. but nonetheless, very good Thanksgiving. What about you, Jacob? You know, very good. Uh, mine mm-hmm. was mine was good. We went to after last year, kind of just doing the immediate family. Went to grandma's house and then went to nice. aunt and uncle's house. The, my grandma's house. Don't get me wrong, I love my grandma to death, but the <laughs> food there is whiter than the people, and the people are pretty damn white. Uh, absolutely zero <laughs> dry turkeys in the mashed potatoes. <laughs> Turkey has no seasoning on it, just thrown in a cooker. Ooh. So that hey. night we went over to my aunt and uncle's and I go. made the Much turkey better. for that. 
Oh, there uh, you go. Brined you that it? bad boy for 48 hours, rubbed it down with multiple types of uh, multiple types of rub. Uh, I got one of those turkey <laughs> injectors. Have mm. you guys seen these? Yeah. 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 Dude, Good I juiced this thing up more than Mark McGuire. <laughs> Let me tell you. <laughs> Threw that bad boy in the smoker for about four hours. Oh, my Ooh. God. It's the best turkey I've ever had in my life. That's Very amazing. Nice. That's so good. Okay. Good. I was going to mention. Uh, I think we started a new family tradition on, on Friday, day after you know, Black Friday. Um, my dad, because, you know, obviously we're all kind of tired of turkey and ham. Um, granted, my mom still had to, you know, obviously have a turkey, but my dad smoked a brisket on oh, the, the yeah. green egg. Yeah. So I think Black Friday brisket is going to be a, a hey, staple moving nice. forward in the Peterson The BFB. The the Black Friday oh, brisket. Also, okay, sorry, not to just completely, <laughs> completely, you know, take us on a Thanksgiving tangent. However, I need to give a very special shout out on the podcast to one of my dear family members um, before we dive into some Thunder basketball. So, you know, my mom, speaking of, you know, typical white people things, <laughs> she wanted to uh, play the what are you thankful for game, but put a little twist on it. Where I was going to say, is that a game? Yeah, right. Well, she made it a game. My mom's good at that kind of yeah, stuff where okay. you have to write it down. Nobody knows what you put down. Ah. One person reads them all. And you have to guess. Who was thankful oh, for what? That can get dangerous real so, quick. So, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but all of a sudden, middle of nowhere, we're like halfway through, and I am thankful for the uncontested. So everybody oh, is it your boy, Hayden? Everybody looked at me. I'm like, no, it wasn't me. Like, we, oh! we got here after this, and like, you know, we- Shows I what they down. think of you, Taylor. I was on the spot. I put one thing down. So I look over at Hayden. He's like giggling and laughing. I'm like, you're lying. It was you. He said, no, it wasn't. And it's- my aunt Brenda played it so well. Oh, she nice. She let me call out Hayden. Long story short, my aunt Brenda said it. He starts giggling. She goes, it was me. And uh, anyways, aunt Brenda has no idea what we're talking about, but she listens to every podcast for about Heck the first yes, five or aunt 10 Brenda. minutes. Yes. She says that we, we sound intelligent. So uh, shout out shout aunt out, Brenda. Shout out aunt Brenda. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Hey, also over Thanksgiving weekend, I uh, while Justin and Nick came north, I went down south to Dallas. Sure. Made my first ever broke my my Bucky's virginity. That a boy. <laughs> what a place, man! What a place! Great place. It's, it's like, uh, what did you say? On I, I said it's and, like if on cue and Hobby Lobby had yes. a bastard redneck child. So accurate. <laughs> so throw accurate. a throw a Rudy's Country Store in there, and you've got you've got Bucky's. It's a weird amazing. place, man. We made the long drive to Florida and back the week before Thanksgiving. So yeah, we got a I couple do not Bucky envy. stops in. And uh, for most of that drive, I was running on caffeine and Bucky's brisket tacos. So there you hey, go. the brisket smelled going. really good. It is good. really good. All right, gentlemen, let's uh, <laughs> let's dive into some NBA basketball. Yes. The Thunder, uh, not as busy of a week as they had the week prior. Only three games this week, but they go 0-3. They lose to the Hawks, the Jazz, and the Wizards. Woo! I have some roundups. Yeah, well, don't worry. We'll get to the tank talk. <laughs> the tank talk is in, in full gear right now. Before we get there, though, I have some roundup stuff I wanted to bring up about this past week. Before we project forward, talk some tank standings and hit some around the association. First off, gentlemen, in those three games last week, Hawks, Jazz, Wizards, Lou Dort, 21 points, he averaged 21 points in those three games on 38.5% from three on almost nine attempts a game. He had five free throw attempts per game, four rebounds a game, two assists a game. For this season, Lou is averaging 17.3 points. That's a career high. 4.4 rebounds, a career high. 1.9 assists, a career high. 43.2 field goal percentage, which is a career high. 55.5% from two points, which is a career high. My question, Justin, at what point is this no longer a phase for Ludor? And is this just Ludor? How many more games do you have to see before you say, Lou's turned the corner? He's taken the leap. I I think I'm already there. Uh, I think I'm ready to say that. I, I think Lou Dort is put together an extremely impressive stretch of basketball that builds upon things we've seen from him in flashes. And I think that's the reason I'm ready to I'm ready to call it is it's not out of the blue. It's not like he's doing something he's never done before. We've seen him do this in games. We've seen them we've seen him do this in a couple games. 
We've seen him do this in bursts, but this has been a long burst. And it's been extremely impressive to watch Lou Dort just really looking like a more well-rounded contributor, not a specialist as much as he has been, but just like a, just a dude, just a good basketball player. I was uh, reading an article. I, I shared it with you guys in the Slack um, from Nikias Duncan, who's awesome. If you don't follow him, he wrote an article entitled Lou Dort is spreading his wings. And he breaks down a lot of stuff at a much higher level than I can because he's way smarter than I am. But <laughs> in general, the conclusion is like, yeah, he's he's adding so much stuff to his game. Um, he he's really expanded his skill set in what he's doing on the offense. Like the finishing in traffic is probably the most standout thing. Um, you mentioned the shooting over seventy percent from zero to three feet. But like that's a huge piece. A How many huge, times have absolutely. we watched Lou get to the rim and just doink it off the backboard? Like, right? What, it, it it's so impressive, and I think it's been so consistent for so long that I'm I'm ready to call it. This is new Lou, baby. To your point, Justin, in that article, uh, I think just maybe the one stat that really stood out amongst all that Nikias had in that article was um, he mentions, you know, it's not just the 17.3 points per game, a 3.3 point increase from last season, but the boost in efficiency as well. He's converting a career high 55.5% of his twos on 6.6 attempts. And for comparison, that's up from last year's mark of 43.2% on six attempts. And I, I think that was the biggest thing that got me excited, Jacob. When I was looking at that stat line, you mentioned the nine attempts per game. Obviously, Shea was out there with an ankle injury uh, for this past week. But even before then, this is something we kind of been talking about over the past couple of weeks is when Shea's getting more and more attention for these defenses. Obviously, we've seen him struggle some with that. And for Lou to be able to step like step up like that, like he has been able to, has been really impressive. And even still doing that when guys like Giddy are being collapsed on and, and Shea's out with an ankle injury. Although I mentioned on my post game this past Monday, um, I wish he maybe would have done a little more. He's been to struggle a little bit with a little more attention, but all that to say, I, I agree with you, Justin. I think it's, it's legit. It's for real. I love the, the two way versatility that Lou has still, still being able to lock down guys. Like for example, from Friday's post game that Jacob and Kamiar did um, some of those possessions, especially late in the game that he had on Bradley bill, being able to do that on both ends of the floor. is just incredible. Now hear me out. Like you get the kind of caliber player you want next season in the draft. You start to really build this team out back into a championship contender over the next however many seasons Lou isn't going to be scoring 20 points per game, but if he's scoring like 12, 13 ish points per game on this efficiency, which I think is fair and still playing that high level of defense on the other end of the floor. I mean, that's a, that's the two way wing guard that you're looking for. I think definitely. If you look at Lou's past 10 games, 21.2 points, 48% from the field, 38% from three, and that 38% from three for the season, he's at 32%. Last 10 games, he's at 38%. He started the, the year a little rough from three. Uh, he is pulling those percentages up, though. And Taylor, I think you hit it on the head there. It's not only what he did this week and what he's done over majority of this season. It's also that this week, he posted those numbers while guarding Trey Young. Mm-hmm. Donovan Mitchell and Bradley Beal and and the last two games against Brad Beal and against Donovan Mitchell out dueling them and being more efficient than they were. Now, obviously Mm -hmm. both end up in L's, but both were two possession games, a four point game and a two point game that you could argue they should have won the Washington game. That Shea three just, just rims out at the buzzer. Lou is doing something special. And Justin, I think I'm with you. This is who he is. And we talk a lot about how the Thunder have all these bites at the apple with these draft picks and you know, they've got to hit one or two of them. Well, they hit a guy that they didn't have to use a pick on. Right. Yeah. It's and incredible. so and I, I want to so, you... so go ahead. Sorry. <laughs> I just wanted to hit on what what you said about his defense. It's like it's easy to forget that part because we're we're so enamored with what he's added to the offense, mm-hmm. but like I'd be remiss if we didn't touch on like the defense is still top of the top yep. in the NBA. Like I was at the jazz game and what he did to Donovan Mitchell, like he was non-existent Donovan Mitchell 
Mm-hmm. He was like started one of seven in the first half, something like that. He got a three to go at like the very end of the first half. And you could see the frustration on Mitchell's face all the way from Loud City. Lou is still just he's locking down guys while being way more efficient on the offensive end. And that combination, if you were doing either of those things, you're you're a solid rotation player like we saw from Lou. He's always been the great rotation player because of his defense. But now it's the two together that like takes him to another stratosphere and gets me gets me giddy for Dort. Yeah, it's it's been impressive, man. I mean, that final Washington offensive possession on Friday night. I mean, he wore Bradley Bill like a fur coat. Yeah. yeah, I mean, he was just all over him. It was insane. So that makes me want to ask him. We've asked this question a lot on this podcast, but I keep wanting to bring it up because I think it's one of the more fascinating things with this team moving forward. Is Lou Dort a long-term piece? Are they are they going to pony up cash for him? I know Nick is very much on one side of the fence here, but Nick's not here. I'm <laughs> like, guys, I'm at the point where this summer, as soon as extensions are available on what, July 1st? I'm on the phone with his agent saying four year, 80 million. Let's get it done. Yeah, absolutely. And that's the other, I, I, I mentioned if, this. If this, sorry, Taylor, not to cut you off. No, if no, if yeah. this offensive production continues for an entire season, I think four years, 80 million might be a steal. I agree with that a completely. Steal, steals may be a big word. It's a bit much. Yeah. Like <laughs> 20 mil a year might be cheap. Steals maybe not the right word, but cheap because I think a on an open market he could get twenty three, twenty four. Right. I, I think it was last Sunday when we were talking about this. Um, I do wonder if he maybe gets rewarded a little more in the second contract after accepting the contract he did originally. Not that he had necessarily, necessarily proven himself uh, and was deserving of much more, but after what he had shown up to signing that first contract, that first official contract off that two way, um, there was a lot of national. NBA heads, even outside of OKC, saying that they thought that his contract would be a little more. So because of that, I could see it being maybe a little higher than we anticipate. But I still don't think, like, for example, I keep using the Michael Bridges uh, extension that he got this past offseason. I don't see a contract like that for Lou. Um, I, I think you're pretty spot on there. I think that 80 for four year, Jacob, is is pretty fair for both sides. Now, according to Spotrack, Lou is under contract next year. Um he, it's it's a partial guarantee. <laughs> That's so stupid. He's under contract next year for one point nine million dollars. Goodness, one point nine million dollars. That's incredible. So and, they may be able to keep him on that contract next year, but they can yeah. they can negotiate an extension this coming summer to add on, oh, and so yeah. yep. you could tack on another four years. And I think you do it. Oh yeah. <laughs> I so, think you, you just bite the bullet and you go. Yep. So to give to give Nick's position some airtime since he's not here. <laughs> it's really about like when you're trying to build this roster, you are going to have to decide where the money gets distributed. And if you're giving Lou 20 mil a year, is that hampering the Thunder from getting more pieces around? Think about the draft picks they're going to bring in albeit on a smaller scale, but eventually like the money's going to have to get distributed. And if you're trying to build a championship contending team, are you comfortable with Lou Dort eating up 20 mil of that piece of the pie? Or would that be better spent elsewhere paying a lower value for somebody who fills a Dort like role, obviously not going to be on the same plane as Dort, but you can get somebody that can play that role for less money and use that money on superstar number two or three to go alongside superstar one or two on the thunder. And I think that, that I understand Mm -hmm. that logic train. I, I have a counterpoint whenever you're done. (laughs) Okay. I was going to say, but I think I'm with you, Jacob of the, it's an, if it's a big, if, if this level of play continues for Lou Dort, and at the end of the season, we just sit back and say, like, holy crap, Lou had a year. And I'm with you. Sign that deal. Like, I think it's, I think that's valid. If it craters off and it's not sustainable and this is a blip, maybe it's worth a conversation. 
You know, he had a nice burst. He has some great moments offensively, but he's really just kind of a defensive specialist who can sometimes contribute on the offensive end of the floor. I think that's a totally different contract discussion. Multiple counterpoints. <laughs> no, no, I'm not saying you're wrong. I think it's no, important. I'm trying to be, I'm trying to play devil's advocate. No, for so, sure. And yeah, I think I, those, yeah. those, that side of the argument is incredibly important, right? My counter to that would be a, there is a new collective bargaining agreement on the horizon that what is going go to wrong? 2013. <laughs> that is going to raise the salary cap. So yeah, no kidding. 20 mil as I, I don't like to look at player salaries as a dollar number mm. as much as I like to look at them as a percentage hit against the cap. 20% or 20 million now is roughly 20% of the cap. But after that new CBA hits, it might be 16% of the cap. Right. That that's counterpoint A. Counterpoint B is well, if you get I mean, you, you said if you give Lou 20 million a year, is that money well spent or could you spend that money better elsewhere? Well, the Thunder aren't gonna need cap space because they're not gonna be going out and signing free agents. You're gonna be using those draft picks, and that is I mean, draft picks are cheap, right? Like even if you bring in the the number one overall pick, that's like right now, that's like eight or nine million a year. It's not a lot of money. So you're getting your value. You're, you're, you're getting cheap. This sounds wrong. It sounds very capitalistic, but you're getting cheap labor uh, <laughs> at a at a really good price with you're, the draft you're picks. You're right, though. Yeah. Well, <laughs> you know? we, we talked about the, the value of Lou Dort's contract over the past two seasons, right? And, and that's what you're getting at. I agree completely. You yeah. Know, just kind of to add on to your point, Jacob, this is – I was kind of scrolling through my tweets while, while you were mentioning that. This is from Bobby Marks. Um, see if I can find the date on this. Maybe not. Oh, August 4th. So this is when, right after Shea got, um, basically got his, his extension with OKC. One thing to note for OKC in 23-24, obviously SGA, but five players on rookie contracts, <laughs> a boatload of first-round picks, to your point, Jacob, and $90 million in cap room. This is likely a year when a new CBA will likely begin. So... Again, like I, I think you have the luxury of being able to sign a player and reward a player like Lou Dort, who you've been able to develop within your system to a contract like that with it not hurting you nearly as much as it would maybe for a potential, you know, for for another team. And then also to that point, just I, I keep thinking about how Sam states, you know, how he's wanting to rebuild, how he's wanting to build this team moving forward. Um, I don't think he's just going to, you know, draft one player in this upcoming draft and then go and try and trade for, you know, a bunch of veterans making 50, you know, 10 in between 10 to 20 million a year. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it, it, he's going to have a lot of these, these like to your point, Jacob, a lot of these young rookie players um, on, on cheap contract deals. And those rookies, whenever they become eligible to get an extension, that doesn't count against your cap space. You don't have to have cap space to sign those guys. So spending that money mm-hmm. on Lou doesn't really hamper you in the style of team building that you're going through. Yeah, and that's a good point too. Uh, OKC has his bird rights. so Exactly, and they'll have bird rights of every single guy that they draft. Yeah. You know, so yeah, um, yeah I, I'm on team pay Lou, and uh, let's keep the thing rolling because I think right now you have three for sure starters moving forward, which are Shea, Lou, and Josh. Mm-hmm. And then after that, it's probably who you get in this next draft. And then you go out and you find your fifth starter and you trade for him with the metric crap ton of picks that you have. All right. That's a lot of loot talk. Let's move on to the (laughs) next part of the weekly roundup. Shea was out of the lineup for two of those three games last week. Taylor, you had mentioned this earlier. In those two games that Shea missed, Josh Giddy averaged 17 points. On 50% from the field, 33% from three, 100% from the free throw line. He had seven rebounds per game, eight assists per game, and four and a half turnovers per game. Taylor, is Giddy better without SGA? And is there any long-term worry about those two coexisting? I think that's I think that's unfair to say that he's uh, better with SGA, although he did perform better without SGA on the floor and uh, the 20-game sam- sample size essentially 20 games, which show that I think that that Giddy uh, probably does perform better. I don't have those stats pull up in front of me, but does perform better with Shea off the off the floor. Um, 
Although I say that, I guess I kind of sense because he's been does playing he perform for those second better, unit. or do this? Does the stat sheet just look better? Just look better, right? Yeah, yeah. that's a good point. Um, I I was very impressed, and I, I mentioned this in my post game on Monday against the Hawks, with just how much more aggressive Giddy looked to me without Shea on the floor. You could tell the burden, and I hate to use that term, but I think it's pretty accurate there. The burden of having to like play alongside Shea and try to uh, play alongside him, trying to make that work as bad as they both want to make that work. That whole worry was just gone, and he was just playing his game. Uh, he was, t- I mean, for example, I-, I think the example I used in my post game, I want to say it was the first or it was maybe the second quarter when OKC went on a run there. But he was just going like he was just attacking Trey Young. Anytime Trey Young was switched on to him, Giddy's going after it, mm-hmm. driving to the rim, using his strength and size that he already has as a rookie. I thought that was incredibly impressive. Also, I think this past week we saw, which is crazy to say, but I think we saw some of his best passes. Um, maybe the best one against the Wizards. <laughs> he had just a one-handed dime. I'm trying to remember too. It might have been Kenrich again. Uh, just incredible. Yes, yes, it was. He had he had one kind of lefty whip bounce pass to to Kenrich. And then he had that like two-handed at the top of the key, yes. like that kind of that football <laughs> throw-in pass to a cutting door when the defender wasn't looking for a layup. He looks more comfortable as a primary playmaker. Now, there obviously is a, a lot less attention to him defensively when SGA is on the court. And, you know, that's something that I think, I don't mean to like, shift the narrative over to Shea here, but I think one thing that he has been struggling with is he's trying to incorporate teammates and trying to work on his playmaking this season. That's why we're seeing him struggle some with his scoring um, with many other factors included there as well. But, you know, I I think when Shea's on the floor, that that does help Giddy, that frees Giddy up some. The issue is Giddy's just not really a scorer. So why it it may be more beneficial for Shea to have a playmaker like Giddy on the floor uh, rather than vice versa, getting having Shea on the court alongside him. I think they will figure it out, and I think long-term they're going to be perfect for each other. But with that being said, like to your question, I think he did perform better this past week without Shea alongside him, and I'm just incredibly impressed with what Getty continues to show on both ends of the floor. I agree, and I mentioned earlier, I, I got to go to the Jazz game. It's the first game I've gotten to see in person in – um two and a half years, something like that. And I was initially quite disappointed when I heard that Shay was going to be out because I've never seen Shay play in person. Oh, which wow. was like oh, a weird crazy. revelation, <laughs> but Giddy was awesome. And that, I, you know, getting to see him flourish a little bit with the ball in his hands more like he's used to playing a little bit more was, was really fun. Um, you can debate, you know, playing better versus just stuffing the stat sheet more. Absolutely. But I think what you got to see was a little bit more of his like, um, not ceiling necessarily, but a little bit more of his, his arsenal, I think is the word I'm looking for. That's a good you got point. to see a little bit more of what he's capable of because he had a little bit more opportunity to show it off. So you mentioned Taylor, like we saw some of his best passes, I think it's because he he had the ball in his hand more. He was having more opportunities. What I'm excited to see is as he and Shay continue to get more comfortable together, that I think is, is where it gets interesting for me because it's clear it's not always the smoothest, and it's clear that it's improved a lot throughout the season. I think it's going to continue to improve, and if the two get uh get on the same page to where they're really like complimenting each other really well. Not a, not an apples to apples comparison by any means, but like Damon CJ, how they know how to play that backcourt together so well. If you get a giddy SGA level of chemistry in that backcourt for the thunder, that's scary. Good because oh, yeah. they both have such ridiculous skill sets that if they can learn how to kind of play off each other and hone them to their full potential, that that's like top five backcourt in the league potential, right? Yeah, right. And I, I think mean, we'd not be... to be ridiculous, but like, yes, I yeah, think right. So. The potential, <laughs> obviously, yeah, not saying hey, know, right, yeah. right. that's a stretch. And now, you guys, you guys are touching on it right here. But if you haven't already, to our listeners, uh, Jay Kyle Mann of the Ringer did an oh, awesome video point. breakdown of the Shea Giddy pairing and how unorthodox and just strange and different it is, but. 
it works. Also fun. It, like that was kind of his point. Yeah. It's, it's strange. It's different, but it's fun. And like to Justin's point and to your point, Jacob, like the potential there is very, it's, it's so intriguing. It's hard to kind of like not acknowledge it. Now we would be remiss not to mention this stat when talking about Josh Giddy. I know we need to probably move on, but uh, NBA Australia, the official account tweeted this out. And this was during the game, I believe not after the game um, against Utah that you went to Justin. Josh Josh Giddy joined LaMelo Ball and LeBron James as the only teenagers in NBA history to reach 100 assists and 100 rebounds in their first 20 games. Uh, Mark Dignall had a really good quote that that's kind of stuck with me uh, that he mentioned last season about how he, you know, when they think of sample sizes and uh, and trying to like analyze players within the sample size, he can say I don't have that exact quote, but he mentions uh, he or mentioned like that 20 game mark kind of being a a decent enough sample size to evaluate off of well within 20 games giddy has 100 assists and 100 rebounds uh that's pretty special i think that means we have to refer to him as la josh giddy from now on because <laughs> it's lamella ball lebron james and la josh giddy from now yes, on. there you go i i'm with you guys i think that they can coexist i think they're going to be fine i think you're already starting to see some of that chemistry build uh off of cuts they're cutting off of each other a lot more. Um, just one one note on Josh Giddy before we move on. I've been very impressed, and it, it's getting better. His defense. He he bodied up John Collins a few times in that Atlanta game, and then specifically in watching that Wizards game. And, and if I have time at some point, I'll go back and I'll I'll clip the play. There were two defensive plays that just really jumped off the page to me this past week. One was that Wizards game where Giddy was guarding Kyle Kuzma, who Kuzma's not great, but he's a lot more athletic than Giddy is. And Kuzma was on the left side of, of the hoop out of the three-point line and came up off of a screen to curl and go around with his right hand. And even though Giddy's not crazy athletic and not faster than Kyle Kuzma, he knew where Kuz was going to be and he beat him to that spot. And that just, I think, continues to go back to his IQ. Um, so just a really impressive play by Giddy. There was also in the Utah game uh, a play by Jeremiah Robinson Earl, a defensive play where there was an action going on on one side of the court. JRE was guarding Rudy Gobert. And Gobert set a down screen to get Donovan Mitchell to come up and curl into a three. And JRE identified it and saw that Lou was going to get caught on the screen. And so instinctively switched it to close out the airspace. And it was just some really, really high IQ defensive basketball, which I think sometimes those little minute rotations and moves kind of get overlooked, but they're incredibly important to winning basketball. And so Giddy's defense, I don't know. It just, it's impressed me so far and I'm excited to see if it can continue to progress. So I agree with that. Let's move on to our next roundup before we go to, uh, I, I guess I can kind of touch on this in a second. So Justin, we'll start with you. Biggest surprise of the week. Uh, the biggest surprise of the week is the thunder went zero and three. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> it's what they should have been doing, uh, but they just haven't. And I'm, yeah, I'm pleasantly surprised by the zero and three record in all honesty. Um, I, I think it's, it's Josh Giddy for me. We just spent a ton of time talking about Josh Giddy, so I'm not going to go too in-depth, but getting to see him in person, getting to see some of those plays, the three-point buzzer beater, his shot at the end of the game almost went down. Like it, He was just fun all around. Um, I, I'm really enjoying what I'm seeing from Josh Giddy, seeing where he's at in regards to guys like LaMelo Ball and LeBron James, as well as the other rookies this year. It's just, it's it's got me giddy for giddy. <laughs> He's been incredible, man. Taylor, your biggest surprise of the week. Oh, I don't know if this is necessarily like a huge surprise, but in terms of the past week and maybe just a continuation of my biggest surprise, maybe of the season thus far, Jeremiah Robinson Earl. It's been um, so good. He's been fourth so in scoring over the past three games. Yeah, 12 points per game. Uh, let's see, on 50% shooting, uh, basically 8.7 ish field goal attempts. Uh, 58.3% from three, which I think God, is the biggest absurd. thing for me yeah. on four attempts per game this past that granted this is this past week. Very small sample size that translate if you look at his overall stats for the season. Jerry continues to really impress me. Uh, I, I 
I hate to just like keep <laughs> bringing up the, but that's the game I spent the most time on this week uh, due to the holiday season. It was Monday night against the Hawks when I covered it. JRE had another possession where he got switched on to Trey Young. Very, very similar to that possession where, uh, you know, we, we talked about uh, when he would switch on to James Harden earlier in the season here a couple of weeks ago. I actually think Trey made the shot, <laughs> but regardless, that it, it was wild just seeing JRE be at that size, six eight, six nine, as big as he is, being able He's to so drop switchable. his hips, yeah, and and, and his his versatility uh, on the perimeter, it, it was so impressive, and just that that basketball IQ on both ends of the floor continues yeah. to shine for me, and and just the fundamentals on those switches, I mean. It's fun to watch whenever he switches onto a guard. He did it, like you mentioned, against Trey. He yep. did it against um, Donovan Mitchell at one point. Uh, the Harden one is the one that gets all the airtime. But when he switches out onto that guard, his ass is like six six yes. inches off the court. I mean, yes. he is in a stance. He's in that Lou Dort stance, which is wild to be able to do that at his size. It's, uh, it's fun. My biggest surprise, um, this maybe doesn't count because he only played in one game. But I just I, I think very highly of Trey Mann, and I liked yes. what I, what we saw out of him in the Wizards game, but also what he did in the G League, dropping a thirty piece on like crazy high efficiency. His just defense, a ridiculous dunk. Yeah, like, driving it, the middle of the lane. I didn't know he had he, that in him. That thing. Yeah. <laughs> um, his his ability to create space for himself is, I don't want to say elite, but it's knocking on the door. I mean his ability to like hit a step back and a crossover and just get himself like eight feet of room is just absurd. And yep. if he can start draining those threes, this team needs a three point shooter. You've got one in Trey. And I, I, I mentioned it on the Twitter account the other night. I'm you guys know me. I am such a fan of the Ty Jerome, Trey man bench backcourt. <laughs> The yes. TT backcourt, as I like to call it. Mm. Jacob loves the TTs. Uh, <laughs> the <hey>. TT. <laughs> big fan. Big fan. All right, Justin, biggest disappointment this week. Don't steal mm. mine. You're going to steal mine. It's okay. <laughs> Is it a uh, general consensus that it's Darius Baisley? He's just a uh, disappointment in general. Wow. Darius Baisley, <laughs> over the past week, 6.7 <laughs> points on 29%. Oh, you like how Jacob asked and then just didn't even let me <laughs> Well, I Taylor see, already I brought him up. Yes, I'm, I'm running with it. <laughs> this week, 6.7 points on 28% from the field, 27% oh. from three, 50% from the free throw line, five and a half rebounds, one and a half assist, 1.3 blocks. Guys, talk me off the ledge because I'm at the point where the, the defense is fine, but the Thunder are 14th in defensive efficiency in the league. They are dead last behind the Houston Rockets in offensive efficiency. And Darius Baisley isn't just a non-factor offensively. He's a problem. He's a detriment. Yeah. He's a yeah. guys don't guard him. They clog the lane. He, I mean, you, you saw what well, I think it was in the Atlanta game where Josh Giddy made a beautiful move, dropped a dime to Baisley in the dunker spot who pulled the Ben Simmons. And instead of yeah. going up for a layup, turned around, dribbled between his legs a few times to go back to the three-point line and ISO. And it's yep. there is so little offensive feel for this guy on a basketball court. In a one-on-one -on -one game, I'm sure he's fine. Yeah. But the NBA isn't a one-on-one -on -one game. And it's it's just bad. And I almost question if we are at the point where you need to look at putting somebody else in at the starting four. Even if the defense takes a little bit of a hit, somebody who's just a little more competent offensively. Now, yeah. people are going to say, oh, Jacob, you can't put Poku in if you're talking about competency. At least <laughs> Poku has a has an idea of what the hell he needs to do. Yeah. Right? Okay. And I'm also not not afraid to say, like, should they just start, like, JRE in favors? That's what I was going to say. Court? Just start favors and throw JRE in at the four. I think he'd be the perfect stretch four for this team. And, and with that lineup, right, you still have a competent lineup in. Uh, you still can slowly bring Poku along. You That even might be beneficial. Poku almost got to close the game against the Wizards, and I thought True. he should have because he played great. He played great. Yeah. Um, and it might be beneficial for Baisley getting to play against some, some of these bench units uh, from opposing yeah, that teams. That scares me, though, because that almost – Gets encourages him, him to be so even more. <laughs> That's a good point. <laughs> he does. He just gets that 
that deer in the headlights look. He backs it out, goes between the legs a few times, drives, throws up some bullshit with his left Mm -hmm. hand, and misses it by about four feet. Stops the flow of the offense. He's almost, I mean, in theory, he's the kind of player. I think that this Thunder team, uh, it it wants to incorporate moving forward into the style of of offense and pushing the ball and being the versatility, but... On paper, I, he just yeah. He I mean, in, in theory, I'm not depressed, and OU still has a head football coach too. <laughs> yeah. You know, oh, wow. I, <laughs> ever since that guy on Twitter, and I'm blanking on his handle, so apologies, whoever you are, pointed out Basley's like footwork issues. I can't unsee it. It's it's every drive to the basket. He takes off on his wrong foot at the basket. That's a good point, and it just makes him look so awkward. And he can't finish. He can't finish. And it's it's painful to watch because like I said, ever since I've seen that, I can't unsee can't it. Unsee like, it. This is this is it. This and is that's, a big yeah. bulk of the offensive problems. It's like watching Ben Simmons shoot or Marco right. Fultz. It's an IQ thing. Years. Like it's so <laughs> it obvious. Is, it's yeah. right there. Yep. And I think if you could fix that, you could have something. In Baisley, but that's a big if, like we've seen with Ben Simmons and Markel Fultz. That's not an easy thing to do. Yeah. If we could also get peace in the Middle East, the world would be a better place, Justin. (laughs) You know, I mean, (laughs) easy. Um, Uh, Yeah. I think it's about time to just mail it in. I think on the the last weekly pod I was on, I I called it the the Bays phase. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and uh, unfortunately, it is yet again another um, Bayes phase, and maybe there's an, a positive Bayes phase on the horizon, and the Bayes roller coaster will continue on. But I'm ready for the roller coaster to come bad. to the end, for the the safety bar to come up, and everyone to depart. <laughs> Jacob wants to get <laughs> off so he can go throw up in the trash can. Exactly. That's good not, analogy. Not exciting. <laughs> All right, gentlemen, let's predict next week the Thunder at the Rockets then versus the Rockets, then at the Grizz. Two Rockets without Jalen Green, and apparently not going to be with uh, John Wall either, although he wants to play. He's not. Can we get slander to. the Rockets, please? Yeah, no do, kidding. Like, what are they doing? Gestures broadly to the world. Go, Justin. <laughs> Just like, Body them, please. Good grief. They are who the national media thinks the Thunder are, like mm-hmm. to a T. Black are, Eye? Yeah. Uh, homeboy from Canada, whoever that was, never heard of him before, but he had some thoughts about the black eye on the NBA, and it's it's a little further south, fella. It's in Houston. Like how how yeah. bad does it get? You had Al Horford mutually agree with the Thunder front office to sit. That's not what's happening in Houston. John Wall said, "I want to play." And I want to play. Too damn bad. And I'm going to make it public because I want to play. And you're still not letting me play. And there's there's, different. There's no plan down there whatsoever. There is no plan. Hey, just go out there and do some (laughs) stuff and let's see what happens. People are worried about SGA's development in a tanking culture. I mean, Jalen Green be horrified for Jalen Green. There, yeah, there is absolutely. no structure. There is no long-term plan. Shane Goon. They are literally just throwing stuff at the wall to see what sticks. Yeah, yes. absolutely. Anyway, and that uh, got that off my chest. Trickles down from you know ownership all the way down, and uh, I think that's where, uh, for example, <laughs> for OU, OU football team. Yeah, right, right, exactly. Why OU will eventually be okay, time. and why OKC is is better off than Houston. Fertitta's so. too busy worrying trying to sell steaks and not. <laughs> correctly operating a basketball overpriced steak restaurant longhorn steakhouse so record for the week houston houston <laughs> memphis yes unfortunately i think the thunder go three and oh undefeated never lost three and oh, need to get that draw. Yeah. <laughs> that's good uh, memphis, memphis probably without jaw Yep, they've been struggling. Houston without Jalen Green. Well, you say they've been struggling. They just waxed the the Kings today by like forty. Oh, yeah, fair. Yeah, but still, Kang, but Kang's King. gonna Kangs. They've been struggling. Of black guys. Uh, I'm gonna the go King, to the Kings team who just beat LeBron, AD, and Russell Westbrook in triple overtime <laughs> without well, Harrison Barnes. That's even le- that's even less impressive than beating the Kings. <laughs> I've got two and one. I, I think I'm- I just. I think, I think I'm going to win one, one as well. of those games, uh, either the second one against Houston or um, against Memphis. Thunder will probably rest some players at a certain point, whether it's Muscala, whatever it may be. 
Uh, maybe it's SGA. All of a sudden, his ankle flares back up for one of those games. I, th- I think two and one's pretty accurate. I think us three could beat the Houston Rockets. Yeah, <laughs> fair. All right, gentlemen. <laughs> we need to do a t- update. It's been a while. Uh, we've kind of hopped off the tank train, but I think it is time. This is me stalling, trying to find my tank sounder. And here we go. Loser! You're a loser! And that means that the number one pick in the NBA draft goes to... All right, gentlemen. OKC currently sixth best in the tank standings at 6-13. and 13. They only have two more wins than second best tank team Orlando and tied with second with Orlando, the New Orleans Pelicans, and then um, just a half game up on them, the Detroit Pistons. They all have four wins. The Thunder have six wins. Currently, OKC, if the draft were to happen today, and the there was no lottery, just the picks were where they land. The Thunder would be picking 6, 19, 29, and 36. Four Eerily picks in the top 36. To last year. That's pretty good. So yeah. with these picks, I want to ask you guys. We're going to play a game of over-under. Thunder currently slated at having pick number six. By the time the year is over, is that pick going to be higher up, a, a smaller number? Is it going to be a better pick or a lower down, a worse pick? Justin? It, are we playing the lottery odds, or is this like... <laughs> I, just, I just want you to play like where they finish. Numerically based off where they finish. Numerically based off where they finish. So okay. the over is, is this pick going to end up one through five, or the under, is it going to end up pick seven through 30? Right. Does, does that make sense? But... Not, but based off not where based it off should lottery. be, or based off where it actually ends up. Where you think it's going to end up at, balls. like with the lottery balls and everything. Where do okay. you think it's going to end up? Under, because I I have to hold on to that hope. Um, <laughs> the Thunder Fair. may very well end up with you know worse odds, but for all that's good and holy, um, <laughs> they're going to get a top five pick. Oklahoma deserves it. <laughs> <laughs> they have to. They have to. <laughs> the state so of they Oklahoma. Will. <laughs> I, I'm with. I'm with Justin. I think it's going to be a one through five draft pick. Um, I just think there's going to be things that happen probably in the latter half of the season. I'm not saying they sh- they they sit SGA again, but I, I think there's a good opportunity for Trey Man and Poku to get extended minutes that we're kind of wanting I'm now. Okay honestly, right? Yeah, exactly, mm-hmm. exactly. It's not going to be blatant. It still will be healthy. Um, but I think that the Thunder will end up with a top five pick. The next pick is that Los Angeles Clippers pick that is currently slated at pick number 19. They are 11 and nine. There are, hold on one. Jesus. There's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven teams behind them that have 10 losses. So they're about one game away from dropping all the way to pick 11, but 19, for the Clippers pick, is that pick going to end up over or under? Is it going to be a better pick for the Thunder or a worse pick for the, the Thunder come end of the season? My money is on worse, probably. So you think they're going to climb the standings? They're going to be better. It's going to be a pick in the 20s. Yeah, I Interesting. think so. Okay. I, I think the as up and down as the Clippers have been, it feels like we're going to have a mid-February Paul George supernova like we always do and they're gonna they're gonna climb a little bit um what if what if we get a mid-February Paul George ankle roll which typically right. happens as well well then because Paul talking. George is MVP Paul George this year yeah and without right. him they are bad correct exactly that's a good that's point. why that's why I'm going the uh I, I think the pick will be slightly better I'm not willing to say it's going to be like top 10 or, or, or lottery within the lottery at that point. But um, I, I just see, I think we're even if the Clippers keep going as they are, obviously they're going to get tired. Like you guys mentioned in the dog days in the NBA season, that stretch between like January and March, 
and as well as I think other teams are going to start to figure it out in the West, right? The wild, wild West. We've seen a lot of uh, pretty solid teams struggle early on. I think some of these teams are going to get together and uh, the Clippers will suffer because of that slightly. So I, I think we'll see it go up. I'm not willing to say it's going to be a lottery pick though, but it'll be better. I think it's going to fall between 15 and 17. That's my official prediction. I like it. That Next would one. Be, yeah. yeah, that'd be nice. That'd be great. That'd be great. <laughs> Next one, nice. Justin, the Phoenix Suns pick. They owe that to the Thunder. It is currently slated at pick 29 because they're the second best record in the NBA. Is that going to finish better for the Thunder than 29 or worse than 29? Worse. Um, the Suns have been awesome. Giant winning streak. Kudos to them. I think they slip a little bit. Um, if for no other reason than I'm I'm just kind of playing the odds here. They could yeah. very well end with the second seed, but uh, I, I'm going to say that it slips a little bit, probably not much, nothing to write home about. They're, the Suns are going to continue to be very good, barring something unforeseen. Yeah, 25 through 30 is going to be that pick. Yeah, I agree with that. Yeah, um, I don't know. They're really freaking good. I can see they them ending good, up. Which is great to see. It's I, hey, love to still see kind it. of underrated. Tuesday season, night, Sun, Suns Warriors. Two oh, best teams in the league. Always fun. fun. It's going to be must-watch television. It's going to be great stuff. And then pick 36, since we all said that the Thunder pick was going to end up being better, that pick 36 is the Thunder's own second-round pick. So that means that would end up higher as well. So we're really falling on all these picks, ending up better than where they're at right now. Top five, 15 through 17, and then a pick 25 through 30. And then a pick somewhere between 30 and 35. That's <laughs> solid. That's really, really good. You can't draft all those players either. No. <laughs> you I can mean, try. This, this is the <laughs> year. So, so that's my next question on our document here. Is this a year that we see a consolidation trade? I mean, they kind of consolidated last year, trading um, one pick to drop back and for two future picks. Um, are they going to? make some sort of consolidation at the top end last year was difficult because as we know, that top five was loaded and it's, yeah, it's panning out that way. Minus Jalen green, who I just think that's a product of being in, in Houston. Yeah. The other guys, I mean, we know the thunder wanted Evan Mobley. You can see why (laughs) you can see why this year, not as much of a home run top three to five teams may be more willing to talk. Whereas right. that definitely seemed like that was not the case last season. Rumored packages for Evan Mobley, maybe a package like that or less, hopefully less. Uh, but a package, you know, if the Thunder do, God forbid, land at six again, you can package six and some other stuff and move up to four, three, something like mm-hmm. that. And, you know, you may not be getting Chet or Bancaro, but you're getting Jabari Smith, baby. There you go. <laughs> I think he's a lot of fun. I don't really think he fits the model. He is, what the he is rich man's Baisley, Jacob. He's everything wow. you want Baisley to be and more. Hey, I still love Chet. <laughs> I'm all in on Paulo. Yep. I love both of them. Yep. I, I don't know. I just keep thinking like if they hit the lottery and they end up with a top three pick of their own, and then let's say they have pick 16, 28 and 33. Can you, you trade those three teams. picks plus, I don't know, two future picks, one of your own future unprotected picks and get like pick three and five? Yeah. And you, yeah. or two and five, you sneak out of there with Paulo Bancaro and Jade Nivey or something like that. Oh, I mean, yeah. Talk dirty to me. <laughs> I, I just, I don't know. I have this thought in my head that somehow they land pick number one this year. Dude, oh, and their starting careful. lineup is Shea, Lou, oh. Giddy, Bancaro. And then that summer is Gary, the summer you just go you in trade and you, for you, a center. You, you drop the picks, you oh, have that cap space, yeah. you go get a center that's on the timeline. Oh. I'm I'm a big fan of Anyeka Kongwu out there in Atlanta. Yeah, oh, he like hasn't been playing, oh. he's been injured. But you go get a center. You go get a center that's on the timeline with the rest of the guys, and then you have a bench of Ty Jerome and Trey Mann Mm. and Kenrich Williams and Jeremiah Robinson Earl. Another draft pick. And at at that point, we have shifted from the rebuild to press the pedal to the the floor and let's go. (laughs) Foundation is laid. Time to start building. Yeah. Time to change. 
Time to change the name of the pod to the unprote- unprotected. <laughs> I like Sam Presti likes his picks just like he likes his sex. Nope, nope. <laughs> no, no. It's time to go around the association, guys. I don't even know where you're sitting at. Like. <laughs> Taylor has wandered away. So, Justin, <laughs> scale of one to ten, how much trouble are the Lakers in? Ooh, baby. One being there's no trouble at all. Things are paradise out in LA. I mean, Lincoln Riley's there now. Oh, Two, ten, the city is burning. Aliens are attacking. Things are ugly. Where are the Lakers at? Kind of surprised the scale didn't go from zero to ten. Um, but, like uh, like yeah, 10 and 11, um, they are currently beating the Pistons at the recording of this. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply podcast which is an improvement on last week um we'll see hey, they beat the pistons last week even though uh well my guy beefs do about beat the hell yeah, out of everybody in a five brawls. mile radius yeah. <laughs> well, i was gonna say we'll see what happens in the rest of the second half um it ah it's just it's so bad the the standings are bad the stats are bad the box scores are bad but when you watch it it's so much worse and <laughs> it's so hard not to like just immediately write them off as like they they got what everybody joked about of they got the the disney the mickey mouse title like Mm -hmm. they got the bubble bump some nonsense happened the magical storyline lebron got his chip with la it's just not there this year it's not there at all from anyone and lebron's had a couple moments AD doesn't look the same. Westbrook's bad. They don't have any shooters. It's a poorly constructed team. There's just nothing good to say about them. And I don't know how it gets better. And I I don't know. They don't have picks to trade. The only thing I keep coming back to, and I don't think, like you just said, they don't have picks to trade. I I don't know how this goes down, but I, I always think back to the year that Cleveland, like, literally traded everybody at the trade deadline mm-hmm. for like Rodney hood. Did yeah. you get something like that again? Like a last ditch effort to do something. I I don't know, but it's not good in la la land. You never gave me a number. <laughs> uh, I'm a, a 9.9. Okay. I think is probably yeah, I where I have it. Like, there's nothing the good. Meter. And they're about to play in the crypto.com center. Like it's just <laughs> getting worse all around. <laughs> oh man. Not good, Bob. Taylor, no, not you, you're putting that a nine as well. Yeah. I, I, 
look, Russ, <laughs> Russ is doing that thing where he's putting up solid numbers, but it's just not working from a chemistry standpoint. Um, obviously, Anthony Davis has just been horrendous. Uh, I don't know if you guys saw that stat muse tweet going around yesterday. I don't have it pulled up right now, but it was just pretty horrific. The production that they've gotten out of Anthony Davis, obviously having uh, LeBron James back helps a lot. They even then to your all's point, this is just kind of a result of, and I, I should have seen this coming uh, preseason. Unfortunately I didn't, I, I bought into the hype, but we are throwing in all these different veterans together, all these big names, like, I don't know. Uh, it's going to take some time to get together. I just don't see all of that meshing well. Although shout out Mello, who has been fantastic for them. Yeah, that, the I bench. guess that's your bright spot. Is that's Mello. your bright spot. <laughs> that's your bright spot. If year fifty Mello is your bright spot, things aren't going exactly. Well. It's it's Nash Howard all over again. Like yep, one hundred percent. It had the hype, and it's just it's just not playing out. Showtime. God, Russ is averaging five turnovers a game. Ugh. Shooting forty-four percent from the field, thirty-one percent from three, which is on pace with. I was going to say, like, none of those numbers are shocking. Yeah, and they're probably on par with most of his career. But it's just, yeah. it's very clear. Like, Russ has to have a team that is built around Russ. Built around Russ, and this team is decidedly not. Well, this team's kind of not built around anybody, mm-hmm. and. The the lack of shooting is a, a massive issue, especially if, well, if you play defense. If you're playing against them, all five defenders need to have one foot in the paint. Yeah, and then you just mob anybody at the rim. And when Rondo and Russell Westbrook and Anthony Davis and LeBron James want to shoot threes, go ahead, enjoy. Yep, exactly. Just, I'm with you guys. They are not looking good. Uh, I asked the question on the pod a few weeks ago. What's more likely they miss the playoffs or they make the Western conference finals. And we were kind of split. <laughs> yeah. I don't think we're very split anymore, guys. It's yeah. not good. They just, they look awful. They look awful. All right. Before we get out of here, our last around the association, I wanted to ask you guys now 20 games into the season, about one fourth of the way, what are your updated Western conference and Eastern conference finals picks? And then Ooh. who wins those and who goes to the finals? Mm. Justin, let's start with you. Who do you have in the West? <laughs> Lakers, obviously. <laughs> I'm stick, sticking with my preseason pick, going down with the ship. Um, it's kind of hard to not argue the top two in the West right now, isn't it? That, that is exactly what I was going to say. It's extremely Might be boring. the two best teams in the league right now. It's extremely boring, but the Warriors and the Suns, are looking incredible. And the would Warriors are in, about to add back clay. Would be such yeah. a fun series. Yeah. Also. Oh, like 10 out of 10 would watch. Um Booker versus Clay Thompson, CP3 versus Steph, Aiton, DeAndre, yeah. uh Draymond Green, Mikhail Bridges, Aaron Wiggins, or not Aaron Wiggins, you sorry, got, uh, Andrew Wiggins. Yeah, Wiseman coming back for for Golden State. Like again, Golden State has so many young guys they could swap for an established star. Exactly. Yep. Or maybe they decide they don't want to, to mess up the chemistry and the stuff they have going on. Like That's Jordan true. Poole coming off the bench so, and Gary Payton, the second, giving them solid playing time. It's, it's really impressive. Yep. Justin, you have Phoenix versus golden state in the Western conference finals. Who comes out of that? Mm, my heart says Phoenix. My head says golden state. Mm-hmm. I would say golden state. The way right. they're playing, the way Steph is playing. I was trying to look up those, Trying to look up the recent stuff stats um, that I saw recently. I don't have them, but yeah, I would say Golden State comes out of that game. Steph Curry is the MVP of the league. Or sorry, that series. Yes, yep. yeah, absolutely. Agreed. Twenty-eight points a game. This man is shooting forty-two percent from three on thirteen attempts a game. <laughs> that is absurd. Dumb. That's absurd. Oh, he's on. Just, he's on record to. It to break like, every shooting record in the history yeah, of mankind. Yeah. He was going to yeah. break like his own record, like the fastest game to like however many made threes up here, like within the coming week and is on track for like 402 made three pointers or something like that. I think I saw <laughs> just other word, other wordly. He's insane. Taylor, you get the other division or the other conference. Who's going to be in the Eastern conference finals. Still sticking to my guns and saying the nets, just because I feel like they have 
underperformed, and yet they are still atop of the Eastern Conference standings at 14-6, 7-3 of their last 10. Obviously, we'll see what happens with the Kyrie situation. Um, <laughs> even then, I think I think James Harden and, and KD. I'll tell you what's going to happen with the Kyrie situation. <laughs> They're going to be in the Eastern Conference Finals while Kyrie's at a QAnon convention. Yeah, that's yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. Uh that he he probably was in Dallas with uh, all those people waiting on JFK to return. <laughs> Anyways, uh, I'm sticking to my guns and saying the Nets <laughs> are going to be there. But look, it, it it's going to be tough. Even just looking at the standings and how they are now to pick against the Bucks, mm-hmm. especially now if they sign Demarcus Cousins. But in all seriousness, I I love what yep. the Bucks are doing. They're eight and two of their last ten games. Giannis looks amazing. They're finally starting to get healthy again. They've had some terrible luck with health overall. Uh, they're slowly getting back to full strength. And uh, them still being able to be 13-8 and eight amongst all of that just shows you how impressive they are. I think Nets-Bucks rematch, we'll see that. This time, the Eastern Conference Finals, uh, oh, it's going to be so tough. But I think I'm going to stick to my gun still and say that the Nets come out of that, Ooh, that conference I'm finals. taking Bucks. I'm taking Bucks yeah, there. Yeah, that's fair. Hey, my, my sleeper... Eastern Conference Finals team. The Chicago Bulls. Yeah. They've been a Bulls lot of fun. Maybe the biggest surprise for me out of the Eastern fun. Conference in the 20 games um, have looked great. Alex They're Caruso fun. had a The Caruso-Lonzo ball. And I mean, it sucks for the Bulls that Patrick Williams is out. Playing Alex Caruso at the four, and it's working. <laughs> I Shout love it. Just Billy D. Yeah, Billy D making, making moves, man. Congrats to Billy D. All right, gentlemen. Uh, any parting thoughts before we get off the show tonight? Oh, I was trying to make a University Sounds of good. Oklahoma head coach <laughs> joke, but I just don't even have one. Just to feed oh, it. Oh man. Hey, Josh took- Giddy was at Bedlam last night. He's the new coach. Yeah, yeah he was. And he uh, he he had a nice little uh, Euro step. Yeah, he almost got taken out. 